I'm going to ask Jim and Martha if you'd come at this time and read our scripture for this morning. We are going to be reading from Luke 2, verse 22 and following. If you want to uh, grab a Bible uh, in the seat pocket there. We don't normally do this, but I, but I believe that seeing God's word as well, and hearing, as, well as hearing God's word it has a, a, a power to it that you could appreciate. And before we read this, I also want to mention... These people that we're going to be reading about are bit players in the Christmas drama. They seemingly come out of nowhere. They give a blessing and they're gone. But because there is a man and there is a woman, I see them as great examples for us. They spent a lifetime pursuing God. And you'll find as we read that a great thing occurred in that moment. Let's read Luke 2, 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to, the, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer 
night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. kind of a part of the Christmas story that, that we don't necessarily always get to. There's so much emphasis on the shepherds and the wise men, on Mary and Joseph, even on John and Elizabeth and Zechariah and everything that, that happens within the Christmas story that, that this part after the birth of Christ can kind of be glossed over. But it's really a special story. It's really interesting um, Jesus was the firstborn male in his family, and part of the law of Moses is that the firstborn male was to be sacrificed to God. And so, like that would, with the livestock and the animals, like that 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 was a process they were used to. But there was an exception made for the humans, of course. And in the place of the firstborn male, a lamb could be offered in its place. But if the family could not afford a lamb, then they could offer two turtle doves instead. And, and that's what the book of Luke tells us is happening, um, that this family was poor, and they came to offer these two turtle doves in, in the temple. And the child would be presented to the Lord as well. This is kind of where uh, the inspiration for our dedication services come from. We just skip the bird-killing part. <laughs> we, we, just, we just pray for the kids instead. <laughs> now, Jim read about a man named Simeon, and we don't know a lot about him. But the Bible gives us two words to describe him. And I would love for these two words to be over my life as well. I, what an honor for the authors of Scripture to write this about him. It says that he was righteous and devout. That meant that that the Lord came first in his life, that everything that he did was, was done to honor the Lord. Now, at this time, God didn't speak to everyone through the Holy Spirit yet. Um, the Pentecost hadn't happened yet, uh, and so the believers weren't filled with the Spirit yet, but God spoke to Simeon through the Holy Spirit. God promised him through his spirit, that he would see something. It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. There were a lot of people waiting for the Messiah, but very few who understood what Scripture actually teaches about who that person would be. And as we learn, as we watch Jesus grow up, very few people recognized who he actually was. They failed to identify the Messiah, they missed the fact that he was right in front of their eyes. And so here's Simeon listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in, in the pattern of, of people like Samuel and David that, that heard from the Lord. And as he's waiting, he gets this promise from the Holy Spirit that he will see the Messiah before he dies. Now this is an incredible promise because... Um, there, there are 400 years between when the, the prophets ended and before Jesus came, and, and those are known as the silent years. 
Now, I don't believe it was that God was completely silent in those times, but there was nothing major happening. There were no prophets that were giving this, these incredible messages like we read about in the Old Testament. And so people had lost faith, they had lost hope, and, and many had given up on the fact that this Messiah was coming. And those who were waiting were waiting for the wrong person. They were waiting for a political leader. They were waiting for a military leader. And Jesus came and represented something completely different. But Simeon knew. The moment he laid eyes on that baby, he knew exactly who he was. Now at this point, you, you have to think that Mary and Joseph are getting used to all the supernatural stuff that's, that's happening, right? It's like... Angel appears to Mary. Angel appears to Joseph. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, Mary's cousin, they have a baby in their old age. When Mary visits Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth's baby starts jumping in her womb. Uh, there's a big star over the place where they were born. I mean, this is crazy, right? Shepherds come in and they start worshiping this baby that was born. Wise men travel from afar. And all of this is happening. And so when, when Simeon, his face lights up, you got to think at this point, Mary and Joseph are like, I know what's going on here. This guy knows something, right? And, and the miracles continue as Simeon gives this incredible prophetic word over Jesus' life and over Mary. He, uh, he speaks um, ultimately from his own experience that now he feels like he can go, like he can rest because he's seen the Messiah. But then he gives a specific word to Mary, a tough word. Uh, I'm going to just read it one more time. It says, And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. And so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, your son is going to suffer and it's going to break your heart too. It's what every mother wants to hear. And it's interesting that he gives that word to Mary specifically because Joseph is still alive at this point and, and Joseph kind of disappears um, from the story of Jesus and, and we assume that at some point he passed away. But Simeon was there and he, he got the fulfillment of seeing the Messiah and he delivered that difficult word. Now, Simeon wasn't given a title by Luke, although he kind of acted like a priest in this instance, but the Bible doesn't specifically say that he was a priest, just that he was serving in the temple. Anna, on the other hand, was given a title. She was a prophetess. And that was the title that, that um, Luke gave to her. Um, what's interesting about her, it says that um, she had been married for seven years, and then uh, in the ESV, which is uh, what we just read this morning, it says that she lived out her 84 years. Now, some translations read it differently, and this is kind of the, the complicated part of translating from Greek to other languages. But some scholars think that it actually means that she was married for 74 years and then lived as a widow for 84 years. So that would make her about, probably about 105 
I like that better. I think that's cooler. I don't know if that's right, but it's interesting to think about. And so here's this woman uh, at the end of her life, advanced in years, and it says she did not depart from the temple. She, I mean, she was like, like some of you people are. You just... Every time the door is open at church, you're here, right? That was the kind of person that she was. She was worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Like, she's the kind of person that would come to church on Christmas morning, all right? You can all feel good about that, right? And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I want to give you three things uh, real quick this morning that we can learn from Simeon and Anna. First of all, God honors his promises. God honors his promises. You know, I know some of you this morning are holding on to promises that God has given to you, things that he's spoken in your life, things that you believed and maybe you've doubted at times. But I'll tell you something that I know to be true. God honors his word. And when he promises something to his people, he fulfills it. And we can be confident of that. And we can rest in that. And so if you're struggling to believe this morning, Simeon had to wait his entire life right before his deathbed to see this promise fulfilled. But God followed through. He was faithful. And he honors his promises. Second thing is that your part is important. Jim kind of alluded to this. Simeon and Anna aren't in the rest of Scripture. They're only mentioned this one time. Their part to play was a small part. But they were faithful. In fact, it was a lifetime of faithfulness for a tiny moment at the end of their life. Now, I'm sure there were other things that they were involved in and other things that were important, but the most significant moment of their life happened after a lifetime of faithfulness. And the part that you have to play is important. Don't forfeit it by choices that you make with your life, throwing it away. God wants to use you, and it's never too late. Right? So be faithful to him. Turn your heart to him. Trust in him. Let him use you. Here's the last one. When God's promises are fulfilled, we should rejoice. We should smile. We should have fun. We should celebrate the goodness of God. You know, sometimes I think Christians are far too serious, right? Like, we don't know how to laugh. We don't know how to have fun. We don't know how to, to celebrate. And listen, uh, it's important that we're constantly focused on the mission that God has given to us, and that's important. And yes, there's always more to do, and yes, there's always the next thing. But if we don't take time to celebrate those moments where God has shown himself to be good and faithful, we're doing a disservice to us and we're doing a disservice to God, right? We got to take time to celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You know, as I was reflecting on this Christmas season and everything that's gone on, uh, I, I found myself last night just, just being thankful for all the people in my life uh, that I get to walk this journey with, and, and, and even just thinking about the things that we've done as a church over these past few weeks, and all the different people that it involved to make those things happen, and it was just a moment of, of gratitude. Lord, thank you for these people in my life. Thank you for a church family that I can 
be with, that I can celebrate with, that I can live life with and, and pursue God's calling on my life with. And I don't think we take those moments enough to rejoice in God's goodness and in his faithfulness. We can focus on the problems. We can focus on the challenges. We can focus on everything that seems to be going against us. Or we can remember the moments where God has shown himself faithful to us. As we close this morning, I want to pray a prayer over us as a church. Uh, that this moment, as we remember the birth of our Savior, would carry us into a new season, into a new year with joy, with remembering exactly what God has done and excited for what he's going to do. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you are good, that you are faithful, that you have called us and chosen us to be part of your family and to serve in building your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that the moment that you came to earth, you set in motion for us, Lord, everything that would, um, that would drive us, that would steer us. And Lord, that moment where Christ came to earth as a little baby, you showed us a piece of you. You showed us your nature and your character. So Lord, we, we say thank you. For the example of Jesus, we say thank you for the promise of life everlasting with you. And Lord, we rejoice today in your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.